0: God is good. Can I have a witness? Amen. Did you feel the Lord's presence in worship? Amen. Well, if you're a guest with us, we are so glad you are here today, and we want to say uh, thank you for celebrating the Lord with us today. It's an honor to get to do that together. Amen. Well, today, as we get into the Word, uh, the title of the message today is The Power of the Resurrection. And when you leave here today, uh, we're going to talk about two powerful things that the resurrection means for you. And so I pray that when you walk out of here today, you're going to know two truths about the resurrection that is very, very powerful for you and for me. And so, Father, today I pray, God, that you would open the ears of our hearts, God, the ears that we might hear, God, what you want to say to us today. Father, I thank you for all the guests that are with us today and everyone in this room. God, you want to hear the message that is going to be brought forth today. So God, I pray that we would hear you. And Lord, I know many are in dark places. There's frustrating things going in their lives. But God, today there's hope in you because you are the resurrection and the life. And I thank you, God, even as Mike admonished us that you want us to live abundantly. I thank you, God, even in this life, there is an abundant life to live. And so, Father, I thank you for the power of your resurrection. Now speak to us. God, calm our hearts. Help us to put the distractions aside out of our way that we might hear your word clearly today, God. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... We sang it with the opening song today, but today is the greatest day in history. Today is truly the greatest day in history. If you think about it, today, because of Christ coming to the earth, even we mark our time by the fact that Christ was born 2,023 years ago, A.D., We are in 2023 A.D. That doesn't stand for after death like I thought it did for years. But that means anno domini, which means 2023, the year of our Lord, is what we celebrate as today, April 9th, 2023. 2023, year of our Lord. And so we mark our literal time in our nation and the nations of the earth by the fact that Jesus Christ came to the earth. Does that excite anybody? Yeah. Now I know they're trying to change that right now because they're trying to change it from BC to before common era and they're trying to remove Christ from that to make everybody happy. And now they're calling it, you know, BC and BCE and it's really not, can I have an amen? amen. We mark our time On Christ. And I say thank you that the earth acknowledged you, Jesus. The world has acknowledged that we are in the 2023 year of our Lord. And Lord, we give you praise for it, that God, we mark time by Christ in the earth. And that's huge because Christianity, it took a while for us to get there because after Christ's resurrection, it took about 300 years before Christianity was the, the Roman religion. And in that area, it took about 300 years, and about 525 is when it actually started to be marked as what we experience today in 2023. And so there's a lot of history how our, the, the, the people of this world began to then go back to the birth of Christ and using the birth of Christ to be the time by which we mark our day. And I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting. How about you? But you know what, Christianity, though it is the largest religion in the world, with 2.3 or 2.4 billion people celebrating the resurrection today, come on, can I say praise the Lord for that? There are 2.4 billion people on the earth that profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's, t- there's five main religions within the nations. And that is Christianity being number one with 2.4 billion people. Then you have Islam or Muslim with about 1.9 billion people. And then you have Hinduism, which is about 1.2 billion. And then you have, um, what was the other one? Buddhism, which is only 400 million people. So we go from billions to millions. And then we have Judaism, which is the Jewish religion that we came out of with 20 million people and all those four different religions other than Christianity, that's about 3.5 billion people who do not believe in the resurrection of Christ. The only religion of those five that I just mentioned, the only one that believes in the resurrection that we are celebrating today is Christianity. All other four do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what distinguishes us Between all religions of the earth is the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is not about Easter bunnies and and nice eggs, which that's a fun with your kids. But this today is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was shocked when Shelly shared last week that she was 25 years old before she knew that Christians celebrated Easter and it was the resurrection of Christ. She thought it was about the Easter bunny. Today, my friends, we are here to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory, that he came as a son from the living God, and he came to this earth for you and for me, and there's some freedom and some victory he gave us through the resurrection. And I want to declare that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Lord. And I hope when you leave here today that you are on the side of faith in Christ and you're leaving here going, I believe in the resurrected Christ. Because that is what we are celebrating today. Because Christianity, the resurrection is, the resurrection is a central doctrine, doctrine of Christianity. It is based on the belief that Jesus Christ rose from the death on the crucified cross, and on the third day, he rose from the grave, and he defeated both death and he defeated sin through the resurrection of his natural body coming to life. And we're going to celebrate that today. We worshiped him, and we celebrated But man, that is this, one of the central themes of our faith, is his resurrection. And I praise God for it. But what's amazing, friends, is this. Of the four religions that I just mentioned that encompass about 3.5 billion people, there are still about 7.9 billion people on the planet. And so there's only 2.4 billion people who believe in the resurrection of Christ. There's a whole bunch of billion people that don't know that Jesus is the resurrection Lord. And so you need to know what you believe, why you believe it, what that brings to you as a Christian so that you can share that gospel and that good news with other people. Can I have an amen? And so you've got to get this inside you. Why is the resurrection so important? Because I've got good news for you, but I've got other news for you too. Because without the resurrection, you die in your sin. Without the resurrection of Christ and without believing in him, you do not get to go to heaven and experience life everlasting with God. And I don't know about you, I want my friends and family and everyone that I know, I want them to know the resurrected Christ. How about you? Now here's what's amazing. Of those 3.5 billion people that don't believe in his resurrection, we're getting ready to get into a story in the Bible. And we're going to go over many, many scriptures this morning. Because even the disciples did not believe in the resurrection of God, in the resurrection of Christ. They did not believe he was going to rise from the dead. It's very startling when you think about how Jesus told them before he was leaving. He told them that I am going to suffer great, and I'm going to die, but on the third day I'm going to raise. But you know what? They never heard that. You know why they never heard it? Because they had a perception of God that, That was wrong even in our culture. There are times where all of us in this room We have a perception of god that may be wrong of how he's going to do something Ever prayed for something to happen and it doesn't happen. You wonder god, where are you? Guess what? He does things differently than you do. Have you ever noticed that? He just doesn't operate the way I want him to operate He is god. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is the holy one of all He is the one in authority. He is God and I am not. Can I have an amen? Aren't you glad I'm not God? (laughs) He is God alone. And the culture right now is in upheaval. Our culture wants to believe what it wants to believe. It wants to be its own God. It wants to determine who they are, what they are, how they're made, all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, God is the only one that tells you who you are and how you're made. He is the only one because he is the author of life. Can I please have an amen? Amen. He is the author of your life. Before you were even created in your mother's womb, he had you in his heart. And he's got us in his heart right now. He is not a mad God, but he is a God that's reaching out to us. And even right now, if you're going through a struggle, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here to draw you to the presence of God. But the disciples did not believe. And I want to go through John 20. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open your Bibles to John chapter 20. We're going to go floating through several scriptures today. We're going to hit some mountaintops about how they did not believe. We'll also show the scripture up here on the screen. If you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a, your phone Bible or whatever, you can read with us as well. But I want to show you and I want to take us through something in the scriptures. And then I want to finish the message with a couple points Because I want us to all come to a place as we leave here today that we are believing in the resurrection of Christ. And so John 20 is the account of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you go to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them give different perspectives. Matthew gives a perspective from the Jew, and and Luke gives a different perspective. But they all say the same thing, but we're talking about some, a span of time. See, it looks like there's conflict in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of how things went down. There is no conflict. There's just a period of 40 days that each one of them is telling different parts of the resurrection of Christ. And in John 20, John was the beloved disciple of Jesus. This is John's account of the resurrection of Christ. And he said, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, she got up And Mary went to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been rolled, been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which is him. John is talking about that. John's talking about himself. I'm the one that Jesus loved. (laughs) Peter, he's all right. He's a little spontaneous, but hey, God loved me. We can all say that. I'm God's favorite. Say, I'm God's favorite. Amen. And he said, Jesus said, or or, excuse me, Mary Magdalene said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, let's talk about who Mary was just for a minute. Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. She had followed him for three years. She was a woman who Jesus cast out seven demons from her. All right, America, do you believe in demonic spirits? How about you guys out there? You ever struggle with something or someone, you see something? There are demonic principalities. But we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And, And we've got weapons of warfare that are worship and the blood of Jesus that, that breaks the bondage of Satan can I have an amen but she was demon possessed and Jesus delivered her from seven demons the, most theologians believe she was the Mary that was anointing Jesus' feet with the expensive perfume so she had some money matter of fact she supported Jesus' ministry for three years with her own money many of the women of that day actually they were the ones bringing money to help the ministry go forward so Jesus could travel from here and here and here I mean this woman she She gave her life and her money and her resources to Jesus because she was desperately in love with Jesus Christ. She's probably the Mary that was caught in prostitution when Jesus drew a line in the sand and the Pharisees were wanting to kill her. And he said, you who are without sin cast the first stone. And what did they do? They all began to drop their rocks and not kill her. She probably was demon-possessed because of the prostitution and how she had given herself to men, and she probably had a traumatic past of abuse. She probably had men who had taken advantage of her, and probably that trauma is where all those seven demons had kind of came in there and wreaked havoc on her life. It's probably why she was sexually immoral. That's the Mary of Magdala, who is the very first person to experience the resurrection resurrected Christ. She, the woman, not a man, a woman is the first one to experience Jesus rose from the dead. She is the first one who Jesus spoke to, Mary Magdalene. But she was not going to the tomb in order to experience a resurrected Christ. She was going there with some other women, and they had spices and myrrh because he would have started stinking by then. They couldn't go the day before because it was the Sabbath, and you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And so this was Sunday morning. Friday had come, but Sunday morning was here. And so she was going with some other ladies to anoint Jesus' body with some spices and some things, and they were wondering, how in the world are we going to roll this stone away? And she experienced it. But I want you to know, Mary was not expecting Jesus to be resurrected. Are you with me? That's the point. The next scripture we're going to look at is in Luke, another account of the resurrection of Christ, and it gives us a little more information about the women who were with him. And it says, when the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 disciples, apostles, and and to all the others because it wasn't just a few of them. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But what? But they did not believe the women because the words seemed like nonsense that Jesus could be raised from the dead. Everybody say they did not believe. What is this with guys not believing women? Man, we got to get rid of that. My wife says, yeah. All right, calm down, calm down. And then Peter, he hears it, thinks it's nonsense, but Peter takes off, and this is where we see Peter and John racing to the tomb. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, hmm, what has just happened? What has just happened? Does that sound like they were believing? I like people talk about. Does that sound like that Peter was believing? No. Does it sound like the disciples were believing that Jesus was raised from the dead? No. Hmm. Let's look at one more. John 20, going back to John 20, 25. So the other disciples told him, and this is with doubting Thomas. So, when Jesus first ex- revealed himself to the disciples, Thomas was not there. And so the other disciples told Thomas, hey, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. <laughs> Everybody say, we have seen the Lord. Seen the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but he said to them, Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will what? Not believe. The disciples did not believe or expect that Jesus would raise from the dead. Mm. So, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not even on their radar. Can we have an amen on that? If you look at the context of what was going on, here's part of the reason. What did they want? They wanted a king, Jesus was king of Israel, but they wanted a natural kingdom to where Jesus would what? Militarily conquer Rome. They wanted a king who would militarily go to battle against Rome and defeat Rome because Rome was in, con- was in control of Israel. Rome was, had total occupation and authority over, over Israel. And they were believing for a Messiah who would come and bring freedom for them from this occupation of Rome. Are you guys with me? So what they thought and how they thought God was going to do it was in a natural way. How many times do we do that? We want God to naturally come and do something. Sometimes he does it spiritually before he ever does it naturally. Sometimes he does it naturally and then the spirit follows. That's why we have to be what? Led by the spirit and not by our flesh. So, what I want to say today is I believe that the unbelief of the disciples is actually convincing proof of the resurrection. I'm going to say that again. I believe that their unbelief, that their unbelief is actually convincing proof of the resurrection. And you say, why? Because if, it, it, go with me on a journey for a moment. What happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was betrayed by Judas? If you didn't watch the Passion, we watched the Passion last night. I encourage you to watch the Passion Yes, with your kids, be very concerning where you, what, what they watch. It is a brutal beating. But when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is suffering of the grief and all of this of, of, of going to the cross, he's getting ready to go to the cross in the morning. What happens when the soldiers come to arrest him? We know Peter cuts off one of the soldiers' ears, and, and Jesus says, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And so he told him to put that, but they, they took Jesus away. But what did the disciples do? They scattered, they struck the shepherd, and the sheep scattered. They, I mean, Peter followed from a distance. As they arrested Jesus and they were beating on him and hitting on him, and they, they take him to the, to the high priest and, and the council in the temple, and you know, they bring Jesus before him, and they're bringing all these false accusations about him, and they're spitting on him, they're hitting him, and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And Peter's just back in the background. He's watching, you know, he's watching. And, 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 but all the disciples, they've scattered, they've ran home, they took tail and run. Is that not true? And as soon as one of them recognizes, whoa, 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 aren't you Peter? That guy that's been, weren't you one of the disciples? And what's Peter do? He denies denies Christ. No, I don't know him. I've never known him. I don't know what you're talking about. He does it three times, and then what does the rooster do? And then Peter goes into this deep mourning. Oh, my gosh, I betrayed the living God. What else was going on? Where were the disciples at when Jesus was at the cross? There was only one, well, there was one apostle and several disciple women at the cross. But all the other disciples, they were either watching from a distance or they were hiding. Am I not right? They were fearful. They were afraid. They're scared, they're grieving, they're confused. They're like me. When I get disappointed about ministry, they were disappointed. When you're disappointed about how many, what God's doing, and when you're disappointed, that there's not more people getting saved, and there's not more people following Christ, you know, and and it's going down a different way than you thought. It's easy to get disappointed. Can I have an amen? amen? It's really easy to get disappointed in your life when it's not going as well as you want. But God is here to tell you, I'm the resurrection and the life, and I'm going to make it better. There was a death of a vision that all the disciples were going through. There was a death of a vision. There was a death of the way they thought things were going to go down. So when they killed Jesus on the cross, where were they when they buried him? The Bible only records that it was the women, Mary Magdalene and another Mary, that actually followed Joseph of Arimathea. And actually followed him to see where they were burying Jesus. That's how Mary Magdalene knew where to go on, the, on Sunday morning. Because she had kept following. She was a woman after God's own heart. She loved him and she kept pursuing him. And she stayed close to him at crucifixion. And she stayed close to him at death. And she also got to see, be close to him at his resurrection. How close are you staying with Jesus? Are you staying with Jesus, really close to Jesus in, his, in your death? In the pain of your life, are you staying close to him or are you miles and miles away? All of us need to be brought close to Jesus this morning. Can I have an amen? Amen. All of us in this room, we need to draw closer to Christ. We need to stay right beside him when he's being crucified or when you're being crucified. When you're going through your death, you got to know you're going to have a resurrection. (laughs) But they were convinced Jesus was going to be their king, and it wasn't happening. And so where were the disciples? Where were all of them at? They were grieving, they were mourning, and they were protecting their lives. They were afraid they were next. Peter was convinced that they were going to come and get him and they were going to do the same thing to him. They were going to crucify him and they were going to take all these guys who were followers of the way and they were going to kill them and martyr them. That's what they thought. And so let me ask you this, if somebody was hunting you down and trying to take your life because of your faith in Christ, would you be somewhere in hiding or would you be trying to run to Mexico or Canada or Timbuktu? My guess is the disciples ran to Martha's house and Lazarus' house. And my guess is they were hiding out there because it does say that the door was locked when Jesus came. You remember when Jesus came to him after the resurrection? Where were they at? They were behind the locked door and he walked through it. So why were they behind the locked door, church? They weren't mighty mouse. They were fearful. And that's why it's convincing proof. This is why it's convincing proof of the resurrection because they turned from fearful, scared bags to courageous and contagious. They were fearful, scared for their life and after the resurrection, they were bold as lions. The fear was gone and they were now contagious and courageous that could not be held down. Let me ask you this why I think it's so important about it being the proof is because would you die for a lie? Would you go to the grave? Would you allow yourself to be tortured and beaten? Would you allow Peter was crucified upside down? Do you think Peter would have done that for a lie? You can answer that. Stephen, we know, was stoned. James was beheaded. The other James was stoned. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten and stoned. Thomas was stabbed with spears. Thaddeus was martyred. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. And Paul was executed in Rome. Oh, yeah, let's do that for a lie. Oh, yeah. No, they believed something. And why did they believe something? Because they saw the resurrected Christ. He visited with them for 40 days after his resurrection. He was with them. He ate with them. He taught them. He taught them the kingdom of God more completely because now their eyes were open. Because they Do our eyes get open when we believe? Yeah. This life of a Christian sounds like bogus, silly garbage. If you're not born again, but once you get born again and you ask Christ into your life, it's like the word of God comes alive It all begins to make sense So to prove my point acts chapter 1 3 after his suffering He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Everybody say 40 days And he spoke about what? The kingdom of God. One other passage in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul is speaking here to the Corinthian church as he's bringing correction to the church. And he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, because, church, it was foretold in the Old Testament. It wasn't just now. We're talking the scriptures of the Old Testament foretold about Jesus dying and being resurrected. You go read Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now, you watch the passion and you see how many stripes he took on his back. And you tell me that there's not uh, healing in the atonement of Christ. Where was I? (laughs) That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is actually Peter. Okay? And then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Everybody say 500. 500. Say it again. 500. He appeared to over 500 people at the same time. Most theologian, these theologians agree that probably there were at least 900 people who experienced the resurrected Christ. Now, I don't have a judge that goes to our church, too bad. But if I brought 900 witnesses to the bench, I promise you it would prove the resurrection of Christ. They would, well, they would say, convincing proof. If 900 people saw Jesus, this is evidence of the resurrection of Christ as well. Now they are bold and telling everyone about Jesus. No longer are they in hiding. No longer are they afraid. No longer worried about being arrested or killed. No longer are they worried about what others thought. No, one, no longer are they worried about their lives but they are courageous and they are contagious. And I've been challenged by this scripture because I'm sometimes intimidated to talk to people on the street about Jesus. And I wonder, where's my courageous and contagious? Can I have a witness? And I've got to get my eyewitness stuff back on. I've got to remember my own testimony and how God came to my life and how he saved me at a 12 to 13 years old. I don't remember exactly how old I was. But how he began to work on my heart and call me and draw me. Anybody been called and drawled by the Spirit of God? Man, aren't you glad? If it is not true that Jesus raised from the dead, would they have been this courageous and contagious? And would they have died for a lie? Would you? Would you die for a lie? I believe we must get our boldness back. I believe we better get our boldness back as Christians because our nation needs us courageous and contagious because our nation is turning its back on God so fast. And if Christianity can spread like it did In the time of Christ, Christianity can spread in this little city, in this little region we call central Indiana. If we will get our boldness back, and we will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Anybody want their boldness back? So these men, excuse me, gets hot up here. Those lights are pretty bright. So you wouldn't die for a lie. And they didn't die for a lie either. These men and women went to death for a reason. They believed in the resurrection of Christ so much that they gave their life for him and their unbelief turned to belief in overnight. And by golly, that is proof to us today of the resurrection of Jesus. That's why I say their unbelief was such convincing proof of the resurrection because they went from unbelief to belief after they had seen the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's why I believe it's convincing proof. So my question for all of us today is this, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Everyone in this room needs to answer that question. Everyone in this room needs to answer the question, do I believe that Jesus was raised, by the, raised from the dead by God? Because you have to answer that question. And if so, do you radically tell others about this resurrected Lord? Do you confess Jesus is Lord to other people? Or are you afraid? You know, we have to answer the question, do we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Because our salvation depends on it. Do you realize that your salvation in God actually depends on what you believe about the central doctrine of faith in the Christian church? Because this is what Romans 10:9 says. That if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, everybody say that with me. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you believe in your heart, not your head. Not your head. There's so many people that believe that Jesus is the resurrection in their head, but they do not believe in their heart because the Holy Spirit has not done the work. You've not been born again because it is by the Spirit that we are born again. It is not being born again in your head. Even Satan believes that Jesus is the resurrected Christ. He knows that he is God, but he does not believe in his heart that God raised him dead. He has not had his faith activated by the Holy Spirit. It requires the Holy Spirit to bring you to Christ. Can I have an amen? And if you're here today and you've not made Christ your, your Lord, I promise you the Spirit of God is already dealing with your heart right now. You're already being drawn by the Spirit of God. And you've got to respond to God when that happens because that's how you get saved. That's how you believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead. Because we are born of the Spirit, not your head. And many people in America are not saved. They just believe in Christ. Christ. They're not saved because they've not been converted by the drawing of the Spirit of God. They've just felt guilty, and they maybe said a prayer. Now, God will, de- he will sift out the goats from the sheep according to his word. It is not my place to s- decide whether you're saved or not saved. Jesus, he is the one that de- determines your motivations, right? But today, the Spirit of God is calling all, all of us unto salvation, and we're going to commit to him here at the end together. Do you know your salvation depends on which, if you believe that? So, let's talk about something as we move into this point further. Paul addresses the Corinthian church in, in 15, and he says, and if Christ has not been raised, there's that question, if you don't believe that he's been raised, if he hasn't been raised, Paul's making an argument. Then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, my friends, what I'm doing right now is absolutely useless. And your faith is useless. More than that, he says in the argument, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. That is what we're testifying of when we're on the streets. That God raised Jesus from the dead to save you from sin and to save you from death. That's why we call it being saved. You're what are you saved from? You're saved from the curse of sin, and you're saved from death. And I'm going to get into that point here shortly. You want me to get there? Because that's the power of the resurrection we're going to talk about here. So Paul is telling us if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Jesus is still dead. If Jesus is still dead, then Jesus lied about being God. Jesus is God. Can I have an amen? If Jesus lied about being God, then we lie and our preaching is vain and useless. And if your faith is useless, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, you are still in your sin. If you are still in your sin, then there is no forgiveness of sin if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Then death has you and it is the end for us and we will perish. If Jesus did not rise, sin still has power over you. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, sin still has power over you. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, death still has power over you. So what's that mean? What does it mean sin has power over me? What does it mean that death has power over me if I do not have Christ in my life? Great that you would ask me. But let's see Paul's finishing argument first. Is that okay with you? Paul finishes this with this. But, everybody say but. But. And we're not talking about derriere. We're talking about finishing the declaration. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Look at this. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who have died. Everybody say died. For since death came through a man, who was that man? That was Adam. Death came through Adam because Adam sinned. The resurrection of the dead comes through who? A man. And who is that man? There is a resurrection that comes through man. And we sang about it this morning. Ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. Ain't no grave. He wasn't just talking about Jesus' body. I know, I can't quite sing it as well as McKinley. Maybe I should go to American Idol. Oh, man, they haven't heard me sing. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And if you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe God raised him from the dead, There is a promise in this scripture that I want to point out to us today that I get so excited and I do the curly shuffle about it. That's Pastor Eric's curly shuffle. In time, it's going to get a little quicker. Jesus became the first of our resurrection. His resurrection guarantees my resurrection <laughs> guarantees my resurrection <laughs> what does that mean let's read a powerful scripture that i get excited i do it almost almost i almost do this scripture almost every time that i do a gravesite funeral I do this passage because it gets me excited because most people in our culture have no clue. (laughs) I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we Everybody say we. We Believe Believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died in him. I have some friends who have died in Christ. Gary Tower, a sweet brother of mine. John Thixton, Kristen Supinger, my brother-in-law Terry, our own little baby that was born uh, prematurely. I've got a lot of people who are dead in Jesus, in my life. Anybody else? So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, and we are, we're talking about when the Lord returns, when we are, if we're still alive when the Lord comes, we who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep and died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, everybody say the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another. I want to encourage you today with this scripture. Here's what's going to take place. Which place, anybody geographically challenged in the congregation? You don't know where north, south, east, or west is? Okay, I'm going to help you. Behind me is east. Church, Jesus Christ is going to return. The second coming of Jesus Christ is close at hand. Everybody thinks there's going to be this apocalypse, and yeah, there's going to be trouble, there's all going to be, all kinds of things are going to be happening. And it looks like we are dead close to it. Who knows? But here is what is going to happen. Hear me. And tell it to everybody you know. The Archangel. He's going to make a loud declaration, and there is going to be a, a, a sounding of a trumpet. And I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come from the eastern sky, and he's going to split it wide open. And he is going to come on a white stallion, and he's going to come into the earth. And the dead who have known Jesus Christ are going to come out of their graves. Gary Tower will be resurrected, And if we've we've left, we will be resurrected in a new body. And it says, then we who are still here will be caught up with the Lord. It's called the rapture, but the rapture is not even in the scriptures. But it's the theological belief of the church being raptured out. Jesus' resurrection paid for your resurrection. The big kahuna point, oh God, forgive me for saying that word, whatever that means. The big point, remember this, you will be raised from the dead. Everybody say that. I will be raised. Say it again. I will be raised from the dead. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you will be raised to this life. from from death to life. Yes, we have been spiritually already brought from death to life. When we came to know Christ, the old man died and the new man came. And there is a resurrection that's already taken place in the natural because I am not the same man. My wife will tell you I don't have the same temper. She will tell you I don't have the same struggles. I am a different man because I'm going from glory to glory to glory as he continues to clean the crud out of my life, just like you. But don't let the enemy convince you that you're not born again. If you've said the name of Jesus and you've called upon his name and you've been born again, the accuser of the brethren will tell you you're not. And that's where you say, oh, no, Satan, I'm going to be raised from the dead. I will have a future resurrection, not just my resurrection of being born again. Are you still with me? I'm getting close to landing the plane. So, the big point, you will be raised from the dead. You can be assured of your own resurrection. You do not have to fear death. You, you currently have victory over death. If you are a follower of Christ, and you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, and you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead by God, you have victory over death. That's what that scripture means. And your dead body, if you, get, if you leave before the Lord returns, they're going to plant your outward tent, this dead body that is mortal, this body that is corruptible, this body that will be put in the ground or it will be burnt or whatever you're going to do with it after you're gone, that there is some spiritual miracle that takes place when Jesus returns. And he will put all the molecular structures back together and he will give you a new body, a resurrected body. That is good news for you. I hope that excites you. It sure does me. You will be raised. And so you have, number one, victory over death. The second point is you have victory over sin. Let's read Romans. Oh, the second thing is you are delivered from sin. That's our second point. You are delivered from sin. Everybody say, I'm delivered from sin. Oh, 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 Eric, you haven't seen my life lately. I ain't delivered from sin. (laughs) You see me last night? You're delivered from sin. You're delivered from the curse. You're delivered from the curse of sin. What do we mean by that? Let's see what the word of God says to prove our point. Romans 10. Oh, we just did that. No, I went too far. Back up. I know what I did. I forgot to put a scripture in there. Okay. Everybody go to Romans 4.25. Guys, if you can put Romans 4.25 in the video, I left out a scripture by accident. Is that really? Did I do that? I sure did. Huh. No wonder I was thrown off. Romans 4.25. I'll read it to you. Listen to this. Close your eyes and listen to it. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I'm going to read it again. Jesus was delivered over to death for your sins and Jesus was raised to life for your justification. Jesus was delivered over to death for your sin and was raised to life for your justification. So what does that mean? It means we're delivered from sin, which is what I just said, and we're raised from, you're delivered from sin. I have victory over sin because Jesus died on the cross. I'm glad that excites somebody. I am delivered from sin because Jesus died on the cross on Friday. And if you don't think that beating was enough to deliver you from sin, take it up with God. Because when you don't believe it, you're in unbelief. And the Bible says to account it unto yourself. Now, does this mean we're never going to struggle with sin? It's not what this is saying. It means you have victory and you have been delivered over from sin. Now, I do believe we can live an increasing holy life. But because Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for your sins. If you believe, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe he is Lord, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, your sins... Are forgiven because of his blood. Why do they drink that grape juice? That seems so weird to me. Because we remember. That he went to the cross. And shed his blood. So that I could have victory over sin. That's good news, by the way. He, is delivered, he was delivered over to death for our sins. He gave you victory over sin. Are you a Christ follower today? Have you confessed Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Are you saying yes to following Christ? If so, you have victory over sin. I have victory over death, which was point one, and victory over sin, which is point two. Now I want to take this issue of sin a little step further because of Romans 4:25, because it says he was delivered over to death for our sins, but it says he resurrected for your justification. What does that mean? We don't. we You don't, yeah, It's not like I'm saying to Sarah over there, oh yeah, man, you're justified. Yeah. The only thing we justify is we justify our sin. That's the only place we use justification is we justify the sin that we want to do, Um, but not you guys, not you guys. But we don't use the word justification very often in our culture, do we? But it's a powerful legal accounting term, and this is what it means. Listen, close your eyes. Listen, what is justification? Justification is God declaring and God making you righteous in the sight of God. God declaring over you that you're righteous, but God also making you righteous, holy, in His sight. Not in your sight. Justification is God declaring and making you righteous in the sight of God. His resurrection provided complete justification for you and for I that believe that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead. So here's the good news, church. Here's the good news, people of God, that we got to tell everybody about it. no sin, but you're declared and you're made righteous in the sight of God because of his resurrection. Father, I thank you that we stand before you, not just declared righteous, but you are making us righteous and we have been made righteous. So what God sees in you right now is he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he sees you through his righteousness. And, he, and you get, you take on the righteousness of God. You take on the righteousness of Christ when you accept him and call upon him and ask him to lead and govern your life, when you say, God, I want you, I want you to have the reins, I want you to control my life, I want you to be the governor, I want you to be the one in authority, I don't want to go my own way because my own way tells me and sends me into terrible troubles. But you are the resurrection and you are the life and our salvation is in this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart, everybody say heart. Heart. It is with my heart that you believe and are justified. Everybody say justified. justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's why it's important when you ask Christ into your life, you've got to tell somebody. There's a confession of your faith. You need to go home, tell people, but you need to tell people right where you're at. So my question for us this morning, again, is this. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you believe God raised him from the dead? Have you confessed with your mouth out loud that Jesus is Lord in your life? That is what Easter is all about. Ain't no Easter bunny going to do that for you. Ain't no breaking 13,000 eggs going to do that for you. He is the resurrection and he is the life. No man comes to the Father but by through the resurrected Lord. The only way to God. There is no other way. A lot of other religions say there are, but there is only one way in Christ. Have you followed? Are you a believer? If so, my friends, you have victory over death and you will have a future resurrection and you have victory over sin and your sins are no more. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get to partake in his resurrection. And we're going to take communion here in a few minutes. Because we're going to do this in remembrance of him. And maybe you're here today and you weren't planning on taking communion. And we've got ushers that are here. If you want to take communion, you don't have the elements, raise your hand and our ushers will come around and give you. Is there anybody that doesn't have the elements that want the elements? Does anybody not have the elements? We got some over here. We got some over here. If the ushers, if you wouldn't mind getting some of the elements over here, anybody else needs some elements of communion, this little thing here. The grape juice represents the blood of Jesus, the non yeast flat wafer represents the body of Jesus. And Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he told us to do this in remembrance of him. And we are going to celebrate together as a family of God that we have confessed Christ as Lord and that we believe Jesus is the resurrected God. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. I am going to make this declaration like it's the first time I've ever given my heart to Jesus Christ. And we're all going to, if you want to say this prayer with us, we're going to say it out loud. We're going to confess Jesus as Lord and we're going to declare our belief in the resurrection of Christ. Okay, we're going to do it together. If you wouldn't mind, stand up with me. We're going to do that together and at the end of this we are going to have the worship team come up and we're going to finish the service with a song but I want to take communion together before the worship team comes up anybody else need communion elements okay we want everybody to have one if you're born again that's what this is for you're doing this in remembrance of the Lord This is a powerful time. I believe that even through communion, there are people who have literally been physically healed by taking communion. There are people who get deliverance through taking and honoring the Lord's table. And so I want you to to stretch out your faith to believe that God will do this. But I want to pray first. I know Shelly gave you an example, but we'll take that We'll, We'll we'll share that here in a minute. But let's pray together. Everybody just close your eyes and let's just, you're standing before the throne of God by yourself with this community. And if you want to pray the prayer of salvation with us, let's make this declaration of who we are in God. All right, pray after me. God, I believe Jesus is Lord. We're going to say that one more time. God, we believe Jesus is Lord. God I, you Jesus from the dead. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And today I confess with my mouth, with my mouth that, Jesus you, that Jesus, you Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. I choose to surrender my life to you today. I surrender to your authority and I surrender to your rule over my life. Thank you for going to the cross for my sins. Thank you for giving me victory over sin. Now, Lord, I confess my sin to you. Now, Lord, I confess my sin to you. Now, here's where I want to pause. If there is a specific sin that you want to confess to the Lord, the Bible says confess your sin to him and he is faithful to forgive you. If there is a specific sin the Lord is bringing to you, would you just surrender that to the Lord? You can say it into your own breath so that not everybody hears it. But Lord, I confess my sin to you. I give that sin to you right now, God. I give it to the cross. Amen. Thank you, God. Now, repeat with me. Thank you, thank you for taking away my sin. Thank you for taking my sin on the cross. Thank you for taking my sin on the cross. I receive your forgiveness today. I receive your forgiveness today. And I thank you, God, for your forgiveness. I thank you for raising Jesus from the dead for my justification. That was a long one. <laughs> Lord, thank you for declaring me righteous. Lord, thank you for declaring me righteous. Now, Lord, thank you for making me righteous. I am now righteous in your eyes, God. And help me to believe this. I am cleansed. And I am free from sin. And I am free from death. And I thank you that I will be resurrected from the dead. And I love you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you for the resurrection power of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Receive that. Receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's take the elements. Let's take that little top part off. to Get the bread first. Take that little cellophane from the top or you'll spill the wine or the juice. Maybe you want to shake that a little bit because it settles. I want you to remember this. The Thursday night of this week, as we celebrated... And even Israel right now is celebrating this week as well. The feast of Passover. Of how Jesus, of course for them it's not this way. It's that the children of Israel were delivered from bondage by the blood of the lamb that was put on their lentil post. But we as well are delivered from sin by the blood of Jesus that is put on the lintel of our heart. That's the beautiful thing of it. And this bread represents his body. And I want to remind us that how Jesus Christ was beaten, his body was beaten and broken for you. And so I'm going to repeat what Jesus said the last supper. He said, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, having given thanks to it. thanks, Thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread together. Lord, thank you for your body that was broken for us. All that noise is all the sin leaving. Amen. When you watch the resurrection of Christ through the passion, and you see all the blood that was shed. His blood was shed for us so that we could have the freedom from sin. Our sin is not covered. It's removed. In the Old Testament, once a year their sin was covered for a whole year. And they had to bring the blood of an animal back. But my friends, your sins have been removed. And Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, he said he, after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. He took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. He is making a new covenant with you. Say, I'm in new, I'm in covenant with Jesus. In covenant with Jesus. Each time you drink this cup, remember the Lord, let us drink together. If I could have the worship team come up, I would appreciate that. As the worship team comes up to get ready for our closing song, I want to encourage those of you. If there's any here that have said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time, or maybe you're here and you've rededicated your life, maybe you've been away from the Lord and you've come back. Last year, the Lord prophesied that there were going to be many prodigals who had been away from the Lord, and those prodigals were going to come back. I had a conversation with a prodigal this week, and it was so encouraging how God is dealing with this man's heart, and he's drawing him back. Prodigals are coming back. If you're here today, though, and you've asked Jesus into your life, or maybe you're a prodigal and you've been away from the Lord, but today you confess Jesus as Lord. Today you believed that God raised him from the dead. I want you to do one thing, because it's important that we confess Christ publicly. I want you to come up with to me, if you don't mind, and um, I have a book for you. If you've made a commitment to Christ for the first time, this book is called, What Does It Mean to Be a Real Christian? And I want to give this to you, but I want you to give you an opportunity just to talk to me and say, today I have made confession of faith in Christ, and I want to tell somebody about it. The Bible says that if you'll confess God before man, God will confess you, or Jesus will confess you before his Father. Amen. Amen. So if you're here today and you've made that confession of faith, I have several of these up here. I'll be right up over here as we sing this last song, but it's very important you tell someone about your faith and your decision to follow Christ. But I'm proud of you, and we love you, and we want to say welcome into the body of Christ. We sang this song earlier, and we're going to sing it again. It's called, Oh, Happy Day. And I don't know about you, but let's sing it with all of our hearts and let, let us give praise to the Lord that he washed our sins away. Amen. And again, if you're here, come see me. God bless you.